Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to take a look at the 2010 movie Despicable Me. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a four-year-old boy. And I am Briar, and I am the mom of a 17-year-old girl, an 8-year-old boy, and a 2-year-old boy. I don't know about this one, man. I, we both, in our notes that we made before the movie, we were both like, it's like we had an epiphany about this movie when we were forced (laughs) to watch it again. Like, actually watch it. Yeah. I realized... I don't think I've ever paid attention to this movie before. Because no, this, this movie is totally unremarkable. Just totally <laughs> unremarkable. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't even remember this. Nope. Like, I'm actually a little... I think I may not have ever seen this movie. Somehow. Well, and so my thing was, is that... I have apparently only ever seen it in pieces Mm -hmm. because upon sitting down and watching it from beginning to end, which I try to do at least twice before Mm -hmm. we record, this movie was just like, I I, I don't know, man. Maybe watching it in sequence was just, I I found it to be... Not bad, because it's not a bad movie. It's just not a really good one. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into it, but I don't think I'm alone here. Well, this is a movie with an 81% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It also had the third biggest opening gross for an animated film at the time, uh, behind Toy Story 3 and Shrek, Shrek Ever After. I Which I believe, which is interesting thing is toy story 3 came out the same year so that you know two of the top three highest that is grossing and shrek ever after openings. that's what year is that shrek forever after is apparently the name of that which is fascinating also 2010 hmm. so Basically, that was the year for animated movies, no? I guess so, up until that point, and then I'm sure that those numbers aren't So, since we've already talked about this a little bit then, how much did Megamind make? We haven't talked about Megamind yet. No, not yet. (laughs) Okay, box office, we'll, we'll cut all of this out and then just, okay, go back to where we were with okay behind Toy Story 3 and Shrek Ever After which is Shrek Forever After and that was also 2010 and then Megamind was also 2010 and it made Honestly, a lot of money, although not anything like these. Shrek Ever After made $750 million. Megamind made $321 million. But that's pretty respectable, even by Hollywood math, for an yeah. animated picture. And that's DreamWorks, right? And that one was DreamWorks, yeah. And the reason you bring it up is because you see that you think that they're very similar movies. It's the same year. <laughs> they were pretty similar movies, I think, in context, if not content. Although Megamind apparently only has a 72% fresh rating. I liked it better. I prefer I Megamind, too. I thought Megamind was better. I like it. Um, so you think, like, in content context, main characters mainly, it's similar to Megamind. And I think... It's similar to Disney's Meet the Robinsons from 2007. Stylistically, I think yes. the movies look... They've got the same, like, weird body-shaped people, the, like, retro-futuristic gadgets and things. Um, maybe that's part of why I don't like this movie, because it doesn't feel original. The story's not original. The styling's not original. Whatever it is, it's like something else. Yeah. 
So we're not the only ones, I don't think, who weren't super thrilled with this movie because it wasn't even nominated for an Academy Award. And that year, there were only three movies that were. It was Toy Story 3, How to Train Your Dragon, and The Illusionist. So The Illusionist is um, it's by a, a guy named, a director named Sylvan Chomet. I'm probably mispronouncing that. He's a French director who also Chomet did... Chomet would be my best guess. I'll take it. He's a French director, and he also did The Triplets of Belleville, uh, which was a PG-13 movie. Yeah, we actually talk about it in the Finding Nemo episode, which hasn't aired yet. Um, but... If you like, if you know his style, you can recognize it right away. Inked animation with like black outlines and stuff. Um, I just thought it was interesting. I didn't know anything about this guy until I was looking into this movie, and so that's how interested in this movie I am. I was looking so into another movie. Instead. You were looking into another movie. <laughs> now tell me who won. Which one won? Which one do you think won? Toy Story three. Yeah, of course, it was Toy Story three. Which is. Like, of the three, I have to say third on my list. So Really? Yeah. I thought everyone loved that one because it, like... It was okay. It was much I, better than two. It was much better than two, but it was just okay. And I thought How to Train Your Dragon was actually quite a remarkable story. Oh, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon is great. Um, I like the series. And it ends nicely, too. The most recent one. But we'll talk about that another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do that one. It's not even on our list yet, so... We'll get there. There are we'll so it. many movies that aren't even <laughs> on our radar yet. Like, I feel like we should probably start generating a list of all of the movies that we've talked about yeah. in previous episodes <laughs> before we go to anything else. <laughs> okay, so the cast in this one... Obviously, we have Steve Carell as Gru... Um, we have, is it, it's Siegel? Jason Siegel? That's how I pronounce it. I think it. it's it as Victor Vector Perkins, um, obviously arch enemy here. And if you don't recognize that name, it's How I Met Your Mother, and I know him from way back in the day, Freaks and Geeks. Or Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, yeah, that one was good, too. There's been a lot that mm -hmm. he's been in that's been really good that's just kind of slipped under the radar. It's yeah. not been very large or very big, I don't mm -hmm. think. that. So then we have Russell Brand. Can we just not talk about Russell Brand? Is that is that an acceptable solution for is Russell, Russell Brand? Is Russell Brand problematic? No, it's not that Russell Brand is problematic. It's just that there's... Just not a fan. I, I'm not really a huge fan. And he does... It's not that he's problematic. It's that I don't think he actually cares much about his job because he seems to get fired a lot. Like, maybe that's just me. I, I find Russell Brand more noteworthy for his string of... TV shows that he's been canceled or fired really? from for saying something. Oh yeah, I didn't uh, know. BBC is one. Uh, although it's not, to be fair, not difficult to get fired from the BBC. <laughs> but yeah, there's 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 been a few. Hmm. But anyway, Doctor Nefario, the gadget man and friendly scientist. Uh, although it's in the name, he's not that great and he's the arch enemy in the second one mm -hmm. so spoiler alert spoilers so nobody I, watched that one either if you didn't but, watch this one you didn't watch the second one either which was but that's why i'm thinking i never actually watched this one because i thought he was the bad guy no yeah no but it's in the second one yeah but it's so in the i second think one i may have never actually guy. seen this one until today <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you probably watched pieces, and it's yeah, all just oh, yeah. blended together, because what's remarkable about these films aren't actually the main characters or the main story, it's the minions is all anyone ever cares about, mm -hmm. and they're just, I mean, they're cute, and that's fine, but they're, I don't know, I, 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 I'm just... But 
Oh, I, I, maybe I just don't care enough about... Min- I'm not the target audience right. for Minions, clearly. Not here because or on not, my Facebook page. Right, we're not children, and we're also not the kind of old ladies who post Minions on our Facebook page. Right, pages. so I, I'm in that weird mid-bracket yeah. that's not a Minion fan, I guess. <laughs> um, I always... I. I find the obsession, like, with Minions really interesting because there's so many other um, cartoons, not, like, full length, but, like, all sorts of, like, smaller, short cartoons with non-speaking characters. Right. Who just speak nonsense. So why is it the Minions that Why? Talk? Why are the Minions, I mean, like... I appreciated the spin-off of the Madagascar penguins. I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. They're they're great. But I do not understand the obsession with minions in any I way. Do... The Minions movie is yeah. better than it has any right to be. Oh, it is. It's actually the Minions movie itself is 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 I would say, arguably, of the whole shebang, the best of the lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Although, who knows if I've actually seen any of them. Because well, okay, so so there's this one, which is about the girls in the orphanage. And there's the second one, which is about the Mexican restaurant and Lucy and then the minions turning purple. And then there's the third one, which is about Gru's brother in that weird European country. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Okay. And, and so, speaking of the sequels... Kristen Wiig is in this one as Miss Hattie, mm-hmm. but then she's one of the main characters in the sequels. She plays Lucy. She is Lucy's. Yeah. That's interesting to me. I think because we liked her as a voice, yeah. because really, if you, I, I mean, until you made that note, I would not have actually thought about it, because there's no physical comparison right. between Miss Hattie and Lucy. Right. So, and she's speaking in her normal voice as Lucy, and she's right. not as Miss Hattie. I no. actually thought it was Megan Mullally at first. Which I think would have actually been a reasonable conclusion mm-hmm. to draw, because we'll talk about Miss Hattie in a little while, but there's some stuff there. Um, okay, we do have... Miranda Cosgrove from iCarly. That means nothing to me, but it might to people who are forced to watch live children's shows. With I've older mostly... kids, because I think that's an older show. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an older show. I, I By the time they're watching those shows, I'm usually out of the room, to be yeah. really honest here. So, like, once we've skipped past the movie stage, I can't deal with the programming that is available. Mm-hmm. Most of it is just so bad. And on some level, I feel guilty for this. Like, I should know what they're watching, but I just can't care enough to, like, censor it in that way. Netflix yeah. is doing it for me. If Netflix says it's kids appropriate, then... <laughs> I don't know. I would keep an eye on that, because I've I know some stuff in there. Like, they have Watership Down listed in the kids section right now, which well, is I think a cartoon. That's... Yes, I, it is a but cartoon, it's and it's fine. Well, but see, it, no, actually, I think not it's fine. Not for little kids. Not for little, little kids, no. But I, no. I'd put Watership down fine between 8 and 12. My well, yeah, but like... oldest son loved Watership Down, although it, he, there were there were a few moments, but Next but he to, did... like, Word Party, which is, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, Word Party is for, like... Maybe they're alphabetical. Infants. No. <laughs> oh, I just picked that one out of my butt. I've never actually seen it next know, to each other. <laughs> no, you're right. The The difference is who I feel like going on that, maybe Netflix needs to Do figure out a way ranges. to hear. Yeah, that would be good. Netflix, that would be if you're amazing. Listening, Amazon does that with free time, which which I use Mm -hmm. on the Kindle. And I love that because I can, and, and with free time, you can add older stuff and get rid of the younger stuff, which I actually have to do for my Mm -hmm. kids. Like, no, I'm sorry. You do not need to do that alphabet puzzle anymore. You are at multiplication now. (laughs) Stop it. 
We have Stop to do the it. same thing. We have to do the same thing. So, so I really like that you can like yeah, I agree. slide it with free time. Yes, yeah. I'd love to be able to do that with Netflix. Netflix. Love to be able to do Me that with too. Netflix. Um, okay. The other two girls, um, Dana Geyer, I think, and Elsie Fisher are, mm, well, Elsie Fisher is going to be Parker Needler in the animated adaptation of The Addams Family. And she's not playing the youngest anymore. She wasn't in Despicable Me 3. Um, no, that's true. She was just in Despicable Me two. 1 two. and 2. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's just because she doesn't have a little she kid voice She aged anymore. out of the voice. Yeah. There's, there's some notes there that are actually age-specific, so... Right. She very much has a little kid voice. Um, How old do you think that character is supposed to be? Agnes? I don't know. I, I have a hard time actually aging these kids. And I think that it's because I think you're supposed to think they're sisters, but... That, I don't think they're sisters. I don't think they're sisters. I actually don't think they're related at all. No. And I think they're actually probably much closer in age... Obviously, I think Margot is older, but I think Edith and Agnes are probably pretty close. Six? I was thinking... Five? Ten for ten. Margot. <laughs> Six for Edith. And three or four for Agnes. Maybe. I don't know. She seems a little bit older than three or four to me. She's potty trained for one thing we don't ever worry about like the bathroom or any of those kinds. <laughs> well except when Gru puts down the yeah. food and the pee pee and poo poo sign for them well yeah but <laughs> we're assuming she's potty trained okay which I feel like I, I, maybe all mine have just trained late and three <laughs> is perfectly reasonable and I'm just a bad mom but <laughs> No, it's if you get the kid, the right kid, it happens. No, I, I, I hear stories. They've just not been any of my <laughs> children. <laughs> okay, so in other good guest spots, I guess, we have Will Arnett as the president of the Bank of Evil, Mr. Perkins, <laughs> and Julie Andrews as Marlena, Gru's mother. Which, Why, Julie? Why? I, I honestly would not have really put that together until I put this list together. Yeah, no, I never would have picked that up. And then we have Jermaine Clement as Jerry. I don't know which one Jerry is. We have Jack McBrayer as a carnival barker for some reason, I guess. Uh, Danny McBride as Gru's neighbor, Mindy Kaling as a tourist. I I just so I kind of don't understand some of these. Well, there Jack McBrayer and Mindy Kaling are the from the opening segment with the right. pyramids. So I guess, but so here's how I'm gonna look at it though remember how when we were talking about Angry Birds and we we're like they just threw a bunch of people at this this is exactly this the is same it, thing but to a lesser extent just because it's a smaller cast I think mm-hmm I, I don't know I just I don't think that I don't know why we would like I feel like those are the characters you do just pull the guy from the hallway mm -hmm. for, right? We need we need a dude who can do the tourist right. in I I I I don't know. I know. <laughs> All right. So do we have any other commentary on cast other than it's kind of large for no good reason? 
the only other thing is I would I <laughs> so you know how in like the Star Wars movies they keep putting like famous people in stormtrooper outfits and then saying that they were in there but you don't yeah. really know for but sure but you don't know right? is that is that Jermaine Clement as a minion <laughs> <laughs> I mean because in because he's actually done some pretty big voice roles although obvious and you knew who he was in those right Right. you knew he was the bird in rio yeah and you know he's the crab in right he's absolutely tomatoa because that is his david bowie impression oh yeah to (laughs) to a t so i but i don't remember jerry no I don't like and I feel I don't know some kind of way about my memory or something when I say I don't remember Jerry after I have just said that I have watched this movie twice (laughs) in the last three days in preparation and I don't remember Jerry no so maybe he has a bigger role in the Minions movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe Jerry's bigger elsewhere, but I don't remember Jerry here. So, and all the other ones are voiced by the same guy, pretty much. Pretty much, and that would be Pierre Coffin, who is um, French. What a surprise! Um, and mostly minions, it seems. It seems that that's... That's his claim to fame. He was also on Orientation Day, which is the short film included on Despicable Me. And Home Makeover, which is also a short film included on Despicable Me. And Banana. And Banana. Which is also a short film included on Despicable Me. Just in case you were missing the theme here. He was in a short film called Brad and Gary. He played Brad. That was not on the Despicable Me DVD. He's a director. He's a director. This is what he is. He's actually a director who apparently does all of the minions. And in that way... I guess as an artist I'm like hell yeah for minions because I like it when people who have been toiling away for a very long time at their craft you know become overnight successes with bunny rabbit ears and that's kind of what the minions are for him I think Mm -hmm. the the decades of work and now he's a minion I don't know. That's probably a mixed blessing. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So, we start then. We've mentioned the pyramid scene already. But we start with Mindy Kaling and Jack McBrayer and Justin. God, I mean... I, I suspect is the parent of many Justins. I shouldn't hate that kid as much as I hate that kid. <laughs> but in fact, <laughs> Justin is a terrible child. Yes. Justin is a terrible child. I like how the sign of a terrible child in animation is one wearing a black shirt with a skull and crossbones on it. <laughs> Sid, Sid Justin, there's, I bet we could probably find a couple of other examples if we even looked, because I feel like there's one of the guys in Paranorman, weren't we just talking about that? Oh, maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talk about Paranorman and Kubo. Yeah, so I feel like that's, that is how we indicate the bad kids black shirt, skull and crossbones. But maybe they're just fans of Johnny Depp. 
Although, not that that's that really... <laughs> it's not really something you want your kids to emulate. Well, <laughs> you know, I... Whatever. We, won't, we, we, we just... We won't even get into Johnny Depp. I think that's just best. And fortunately, he's not in any animated movies that are coming up anytime <laughs> soon for us. So... Gru steals the pyramid. That's the upshot of the whole scene with Justin. Because it's kind of a throwaway scene. But Gru is trying to steal the pyramid, right? Or... He doesn't. No, he doesn't. No. But you don't find out that right away. No. His his mysterious rival, Vector, steals the pyramid. You kind of find that Gru... Not really that impressive <laughs> at stealing things. Like he's stolen the Times Square jumbotron, the Statue of Liberty from Vegas, and also the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel from Tower Vegas. from Vegas, both from <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, and like when we're talking about super villain credentials, I don't know. Gru just never measures up. No. So, the whole thing then kind of becomes, I don't know, anticlimactic, because he's not that bad of a guy turning into a slightly better guy. I know, so you you wrote right here, Gru tips the barista. (laughs) He, like... He freezes everybody in line so he can cut. He steals the order. But, but he still then, tips the barista. He puts money in the tip jar. I, I just... And then drives away in his smoke-belching mo- automobile. <laughs> I... So, mediocre. That's that's the best standard we have to judge him on mm-hmm. at this time, is Gru is mediocre. Well, you find that since he was a little kid, he's wanted to go to the moon... And his terrible mother is awful to him and tells him they don't send monkeys to the moon anymore. So, we don't actually... His terrible mother is still his terrible mother at the end, by the way. And there's no resolution whatsoever. It's not even really addressed. No. But we do see his... I mean, like, the scenes of Gru as a kid mm-hmm. are pretty heart-wrenching, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, you are, you're supposed to feel bad for him, but there's no resolution to right. what caused that in Gru's life and caused him to be a mediocre supervillain. Mm-hmm. Do we get more of that backstory in the third one? That could be, I have also admittedly not paid paid attention attention to that movie either to know. Right. And I don't know, I don't know if, I because I think Gru's half-brother is by way of his, I assume, terrible father who abandoned him. Right, because you don't see the father here. Right. That makes the most sense. That's my sense of the lineage there, but again, I don't think I've really hey, paid attention. If anybody out there is an expert on <laughs> <laughs> the familiar relationships in the Despicable Me universe, please give us a call at 402-885-4875 or email us at latchkeymovies at gmail and let us know what you know about Groot. That we're I'd, missing. You know, honestly, at this point in time, I'd kind of take a spreadsheet with yeah. like, like whatever <laughs> you got, flow chart, mind map, whatever. I'll take it. I don't, whatever. I don't get this movie. I don't get these movies. I, this universe so, is just not, whatever. And then on top of being a not very good supervillain. He has this, like, elaborate setup to get into his evil lair, but none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. And, in fact, the girls break in. Like, I can't remember. I don't know. We don't really see them breaking in. But, at 
later in the movie, we see them down in the lair. So I don't know if the minions take them in the back way. There's perhaps a but yeah, the the Gru entrance to the lair is wholly ridiculous. It Batman. doesn't make any sense. None whatsoever. <laughs> he gets shot across the room in his chair. Then like a tube comes up. Mm-hmm. Because it falls, the cannon falls, and the tube comes down, and he ends up in the tube. And you think, oh, he's going to shoot through the tube like it's pneumatic or whatever. But no. no then the whole room moves. Like, why? <laughs> why do I you need to be in a but tube? why? <laughs> what, what, what is the, I don't know. Why? I don't. There so is much no of point. this movie that I do not understand. You know, and it's funny, too, because I did not come into this movie thinking, Oh, this is a terrible movie. No, I didn't either. (laughs) I had vaguely fond feelings about this film prior to actually sitting down and watching it. And so I will admit, this is not the first time that this has happened to us, where we've liked a movie prior to actually sitting down to watch it and dissect it. I can't remember what else we've had that problem with. It's definitely happened before. But I know that it's happened before. <laughs> like. <laughs> Which, you know, we're doing this for you guys. We're forcing ourselves to hate movies that we once liked. Or at least tolerated. Yeah. Or at <laughs> least to, tolerated. Because we actually have to pay attention to them when we watch them these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So. So after the whole secret lair thing, we go to the Bank of Evil, which is also, can someone please explain to me the dynamics of the Bank of Evil? Like, I want to know, where does the Bank of Evil get its funding from? Yes. Has it come from deceased supervillains like Pirate Booty? Is that, I mean... Do they have to pay, like, interest right. on the moon? And is there some entrance fee to actually, because if that's the case, I still don't know how Gru, the mediocre supervillain, has acquired entrance to the Bank of Evil in the first place. I feel like if you're going to have a Bank of Evil, there should be like some Illuminati type requirements to get in, right? We need to know more about this. I just, I'm not... I'm not understanding how the Bank of Evil works. And Mr. Perkins, who is like the epitome of mid-management bureaucrat, Mm -hmm. right? Like, how is he the guy saying, no, you can't have a loan? Because is he a supervillain of his own standing? I mean, he'd have to be, right? To be the manager of the Bank of Evil. But none of this is in any way ever addressed. <laughs> it, it, it bugs me a lot. So Mr. Perkins says that in order to approve the loan... He's got to steal the shrink ray first. And then we have the stealing of the shrink ray, and then Vector steals the shrink ray from them. First, though, I are the animated characters in the East Asian base. Is that racist? Uh... <laughs> well i mean do they remind you of the huns from mulan because if that's the case then i'm gonna have to go with yeah it's a little bit racist no they're more like caricature-y i think so there's only three of them i think yeah but they're not it's always the eyes for me. It's always yeah. the eyes. And they do whatever it is they do to animate Asian characters. It never comes off at feeling genuine or authentic to me. It feels like a mockery. Mm-hmm. And I am not Asian. So I hesitate to, you know, speak for a culture 
but I can't help but feel that in general these can't be well received by people of Asian descent. I don't know. Like, I couldn't find anything about it. Well, I guess that's something. (laughs) Maybe because it's such a small scene. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's because you and I are freaks examining this from a very critical perspective, and most people really... uh, are not watching movies in the same way that we are watching these movies. And yes, yeah. I mean, you're right, but, like, I don't know, guys. It felt racist to me. It did. It felt racist to me, too. <laughs> uh, but I usually, I have to admit, I find most Asian characters pretty racist. And, I, I mean, they're never, they're never animated well, and they're always stereotypical. Did you and think almost, that, though, about Kubo? Well, we discussed my issues. There were issues other with, issues There with were that. other issues yeah. with Kubo. Although, on that one, no. The animation was, was fantastic. Yeah. The animation was very well done. And I would have felt really great about that movie if the cast had been right. Asian. But, but the cast so, was mostly white. So here... So there's... Whatever it is, when it comes to the portrayal of Asian characters, we're still not getting it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is 2010, and I'd like to say we're better, but Kubo is 2016. Right. So, we're only getting it a little bit better. Maybe we'll get there soon. Maybe. Maybe someday. I I want... What I want is for people of Asian descent to have a movie that they can fall in love with the way that I feel about Coco. The way that I know black people and have heard them talk about Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? Like that is that those movies sink in because they're done right. Maybe that'll be the new live action Mulan. Maybe. Moana was great. Moana was great, but that's Polynesian. That's not actually Asia. And I want for the... But I have to admit a great deal of skepticism when it comes to the live-action Mulan because all of the other live-action movies have been dubious. Well, they're not doing the... Although I haven't seen Dumbo yet. But... Because there's a lot of stuff they're going to have to walk back in Dumbo that was horrendously racist. Right. But I think in the live action Mulan, they're not doing any, uh, they're not doing any singing. All the songs are just going to be instrumentals. Okay. So that, I mean, that signals a pretty big change. That gives it gravity, at -hmm. least, to, to a story, but honestly, I say again there, it's going to depend on the portrayal of the Huns. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, it, it's not just about the one, a- because here we're talking about one Asian culture versus another right. Asian culture. And you can't fetishize one and then demean the other at, for the sake of a story. And we're... Holy shit off topic here. So, we get to the girls now. Who are selling cookies to Vector. And Gru decides... Because he sees them just walk right into Vector's So they walk right in because cookie sales, man. I mean, that's... (laughs) I guess... Everybody, Everybody loves, loves the Girl cookies. Scout cookies. Yeah. Everyone loves them. So he decides to adopt them. But this is where, I mean, as though things weren't hinky enough before. Right. Who in their right fucking mind just adopts these girls out to Gru? Disguise mm-hmm. or no disguise? Like. Well, she does a background check on him. No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. She does it, and the minions are, like, live editing it as she does it. I guess, okay, but still. 
I know. So we, (laughs) I'm saying no, she doesn't. So tell them about the book. So this whole, I'm currently reading the book before we were yours, which is like this. It's fictional. It's not a true story, but it's because we don't fucking know. But it's based on this woman named Georgia Tan who ran orphanages in, in the south in the early part of this of the 1900s like i think she died the in the t- 50s yeah she died in the 50s and i think she was running between 20s and 40s the estimate is somewhere around 5000 children that right. she stole and she was sold. stealing them yeah because the thing is is that she was stealing them she was getting women who had just given birth and were sedated to sign over the rights to their children she right. was promising parents that she was going to give their sick children treatment yep and then she was telling them they were dead Yep. She was just straight up stealing them in some cases. She would get parents to sign away older children on the promise of medical treatment or better care mm-hmm. and then essentially sold them off as slaves. Mm-hmm. This woman was swell. And I feel, I don't know, if she wasn't the model... It's that trope, I think. For Miss Hattie, become, it's certainly the trope. Yeah, I mean, you, it's in Annie. Yeah, you know, it's 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 in a lot of things. Because really, even with the background check, and they even talk about Annie in it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that when the, I can't remember which of the daughters says it, but she says, "I thought when we were getting adopted by a, a bald guy, it was going to be more like Annie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's not. It's just the cool me, guys. <laughs> I just... I Do we ever see any other children? Well, we just had an appearance from my child, but actual children in the orphanage? No. no. Do we ever see any more children in the orphanage? You no, see? we don't see any other... So, either these are the only three that are there, or... They just didn't want to animate them. <laughs> they just didn't want to animate them, which, or do voices for them, because well, I guess they didn't have enough guys in the hall. Right. Any kids in the hall? <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, I also do not think that the girls are related. We kind of talked about that previously, but I just don't think they're related. I, they don't no. look alike at all. No. They don't look alike. They don't seem alike mm-hmm. and I think that Edith and Agnes I don't know I, I mean they're not super close in age but close enough that I feel and and those two in particular look absolutely nothing alike right. so I just I, I, I don't I'm know also confused by this terrible orphanage that they're in that also has them in ballet lessons. Right. Because <laughs> that makes complete sense. But that's also what makes me think that they're the only three there. Because why we do these afford... three get to take... No, but why do these three get to take ballet lessons? I guess. Them... <sighs> if... If you accept that they were previously sisters, perhaps they were all enrolled in ballet lessons before their parents died in a fiery car crash that we never hear about and were paid for for the next five years before they went to the orphanage. But, like, we're missing some details here, folks. That's, That's all we're saying. Because in the end, it's Miss Hattie's whole scheme is that she wants them to sell these cookies for profit. Right. I don't. So then, if she's that hard up for money, that she's sending that the orphans she's out. She's sending to sell the orphans cookies. out for cookies, and just these three, or are Where's... is there a whole fleet of other orphans that have not been animated that are selling these right. cookies? Who the fuck knows? So we don't because nobody says. <laughs> I just, 
I don't, none of this makes sense. None of this movie on closer examination makes any kind of actual sense. So then when they bring the cookies to Factor's base. You wrote them down. (laughs) They get four boxes of mini mints, two toffee totes, two caramel clumpies, and 15 boxes of coconutties. And it only costs them $52. So... So not only are we not money? bilking them out of any money, <laughs> we're not even doing a good job bilking them out of money in this cookie scheme. It's all bad. The cookies pyramid scheme is bad. So it's for 24 boxes of Girl Scout cookies, he's paying $52. It's only like $2 a box. Girl Scout cookies are far more expensive than that. Well, I mean, God, even in 2010, they were more expensive than that by quite a lot. And we're never really kind of given a time for this movie because that's obviously not anything we care about. But, like, you have to look at some of the tech, at least, and go, this has got to be a little bit in the future because we don't have shrink rays yet. Right. So... Yeah, the the $52 Mars dollars, maybe. I don't know. I Holy shit, this movie It looks awful. like the average price of Girl Scout cookies in 2010 was about $3.50 a box. So she's not bilking them out of money is what no. you're telling us. No. Thanks. <laughs> I love your Google ability, man. <laughs> it is the best. I also really wanted cookies while I was watching I know. This movie. The whole way through. I don't even like coconut co- cookies, but coconutties sound delicious. No, but the mini mints. Mini mints, yeah. I'll probably I'm, eat all four boxes of those. So I actually, Aldi carries mock thin yeah, mints. Mm-hmm. And I am allergic to wheat. I do pretty good with most things, but pastry and those fucking cookies are absolutely my weakness. Do you ever keep them in the freezer? That's the only way to eat them. Duh. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Especially in the summertime, Mm -hmm. man, frozen Thin Mints is just, it's a supreme pleasure that you really... It's difficult to it f- beat. Maybe lavender lemonade, but that's... I like lavender lemonade, too. Have you ever put a um, York peppermint patty in the freezer? Oh, those are supremely good, too. Frozen I'm York big patties. big chocolate fan. Oh, God. Me, too. <laughs> and that... So, that's fair, and I'll take that and file it away. It's still not an acceptable replacement, though, for a frozen Thin Mint. Yeah. Yeah, There's sure. nothing quite like a, thro- a frozen Thin Mint. I can imagine. Or Mini Mint. <laughs> Don't sue me, Girl Scouts. Mini Mints. <laughs> They're Mini Mints. All right. So, after we have delivered the Girl Scout, mini, the, the, the whatever, the cookies, we've delivered the cookies, and we've stolen the shrink ray, we're going to go to the theme park because... This, everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's in a good mood. This, too, makes total perfect sense. Oh, but and, also, Guru thinks he can leave them behind there. Well, yeah, except it doesn't work out that way at all. And then we get the cl- clever montage of him it's falling in love montage. with the girls. Just, an American montage. It's so bad. It's, it's, it's about as tropey as it gets in film. It really is and like if you stack them on top of each other that's kind of exactly what this movie is trope and then another trope and then another trope and then here we have another trope on top of that and this trope the american happy family at the carnival trope is just oh for fuck's sake so since he doesn't leave them there He takes them back home, and he contacts Perkins. He he FaceTimes Perkins and says, hey, we're going to do this thing. And 
then the girls interrupt the meeting and Perkins says that you're not a good nemesis. But I know that Perkins himself is a father. So, like, surely he's been interrupted on a call at some point in time by his annoying swat of a kid vector. Like, that just, as a parent who literally just five minutes ago was interrupted by my child who knows we're recording like there's not a sign on the door but that's because i've told them all at least 15 times i'm recording my podcast now you need to not jump up and down on the hardwood floors you need to not come down into the basement and on this call, those things have already happened at least three times. And the thing is, Sarah, that's pretty typical, right? Yeah. Like, that yeah. happens for... You just edit that shit out, Right, usually. I edit it out. We'll leave it in for this one because I'm making <laughs> a point. Yes. But, yeah. It's relevant to the story here. Because... Right. That's exactly what happens. It, it just does. And so I feel like if anything is a mark of Gru as a mediocre supervillain, his parentage is actually not one of them. Right. <laughs> Why, like, just don't give him the loan because he's never actually stolen anything Thing of, of quality. <laughs> right. But... Don't give him the loan because the girls interrupted a meeting. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. That's, that's actually, we'll call that parent bias, although it more often happens with women. And this is a real thing that happens in the workplace now. There's all kinds of statistics about it. How if you have, although it does happen to men too, to be fair, it does happen to men, that having children and admitting that you're going to go take care of your children or do like doctor's appointments can affect your job. It can affect income. It can affect position and standing. I don't understand why being a parent is not acceptable on the job. So since Gru can't get his loan, he can't pay the minions and everybody has to, I don't know, quit or leave or whatever. And then the girls bring the piggy bank. Because they're out of money. Because they're out of money. So Gru decides to have a yard sale. I mean, for God's sake, all of this is just ridiculous. I don't understand. He's got the shrink ray. What does he need the money for at this point? He's got the shrink ray. Does he have the spacesuit? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't understand, and I don't understand how the yard sale is going to come up with Isn't all the for like a right or whatever. Because <laughs> money for a loan, when you go to the bank and you ask for a loan, you're not asking for yard sale cash right right especially I, not when you have a powerpoint presentation yeah. and i'm still not sure how the bank gets paid back at all to be honest with you from stealing the moon because he's gonna ransom it i guess none of this makes any sense no. and it's not particularly well thought out at all I mean, I'm sure it made sense in somebody's head, right? Like, there are I writers. It, I wonder there's, how much of this got cut out. How much of the story got cut out? A lot. Or all of it lives in somebody's head. I don't know. So they sell, they have a yard sale. And then we have... So Gru is supposed to steal the moon and the girls are supposed to go to the ballet recital. And this all has to happen on the same day because why? 
why does the moon stealing was there I swear to God, guys, I literally watched this movie twice this weekend, but I cannot tell you what reason was provided for the moon being Maybe stolen exactly at the same time as the dance recital. Surely the moon theft could have been pushed back five hours. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, a couple hours for sure, right? It, it, I mean, we don't even have to have a different day. Maybe we just do it after the recital. Literally, I cannot... Maybe it deter- it's determining how close the moon is to the Earth. And they only got enough money from their yard sale to get a certain distance. Uh, then we wait a month. I uh-huh. mean, I literally... I just... I cannot... Right. None of this... So poorly thought out. So poorly thought out. So then, since we're, I guess, conflicted, Dr. Nefario, spoiler alert, it's in the name, (laughs) arranges for the girls to be returned to the orphanage. And then Perkins tells his son, Vector, of Gru's possession of the shrink ray and the adoption of the girls so that Vector can, I guess, go beat him to the theft like this made up nemesis competition also never really i mean it makes sense on a like nemesis level but what is it about none of this i just i don't get it what is it about the moon that's what i'm asking (laughs) why can't somebody steal something else but also do they not know like how much damage would happen to the earth if you stole the moon. <laughs> I mean, what about the tides? Right. <laughs> Can we And what if you don't put the moon back exactly where it was? Surely that's <laughs> going to have an effect. Maybe a little one, perhaps. I mean, and I guess since we're supervillains, mediocre supervillains, we don't actually care. Yes. Uh, but, but like they live on the earth. I'm pretty sure supervillains haven't learned how to, like, breathe space. Right? (laughs) Maybe that's what we needed the loan for. To inhabit space after stealing the moon. Okay. I don't know. So, after all of this doesn't make sense, Gru steals the moon. He rushes back to the Earth to attend the recital. Only to find a ransom note from Vector, who has kidnapped the girls. So he then goes to Vector's base. He surrenders the moon. And then, of course, like, shocker here, Vector takes the moon and the girls. And then we have a chase scene. Like, Well, we needed one in this movie. Of course we did chase scene and then Gru rescues the girls oh wait and the minions and it's all a thing and the no but remember so the moon the, is gonna go back to the moon is gonna size. go back and that's important because the shrink ray only kind of works and the bigger the object the quicker it goes the back. quicker it goes back because we have to have some deus ex machina yeah. plot device here <laughs> to make things work because none of the rest of it, you know, works. So that's what we'll do there then. And then it's all fine. And Gru takes the Great Pyramid back. And, and then everybody calls him a hero. And then we have a party with Dance his party. terrible mother. <laughs> Dance party. I, I'm so done <laughs> with this movie. <laughs> so done with this movie I will never ever choose to submit myself to this movie ever again but on that note it's fine for the kids I'm like, totally okay with letting my kid just watch this movie without me in the room there's there's no 
So, with the exception of, I think, the Asian characters, there's nothing else, and Miss Hattie... Which, in the Asian characters, I think you're exactly right. The only people who are even catching that... Are probably Asian, and us. And people watching it like we do. (laughs) And there's the lack of resolution about Miss Hattie. Right. There's the lack of resolution about Gru's terrible mother. But because there's no resolution about anything in any way or any actual storylines about anything that makes sense, it's whatever. Whatever. In the end, I think it's harmless. It's not my favorite thing. It's like, it's just, I don't care if he watches it. It's fine. As long as I don't have to watch it. No, it's just fine. And, <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's exactly it. I don't care because it's not offensive enough for me to care. And prior to this, I thought it was okay, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't I don't care if they watch this movie right. because I just I don't care about the movie enough to care one way or another. Right. I agree. It's fine. Whatever. So watch it. And I don't think I think it's fine for any age. It's fine until my son decides he's obsessed with minions and that's when I'm going to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, for that. so my middle one has a t-shirt, but he's never really, I mean, and he's seen them all. Are we kind of like past that? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's. Like, it's cool. It's like, they're going to keep making sequels and kids are going to watch them. And if you go to like the Universal Parks, the minions are there and that's fun, whatever. But like, they're not like an obsession anymore, right? I don't think so. At I least not so. for us. I hope so. But you can also wear this Halloween costume. As long as you're not dressing as the Asian. (laughs) As long as as you're not dressing as the Asian characters. Wear any of these Halloween costumes you want, man. Be any one of those fucking yellow bug-eyed bastards that you want to be. It's fine. Okay. Give it a score of five. We're on five. It's a best of five. Not Not ten. I'm going to give this one a two because, because I don't care if my kid watches it. I, when I rank things like, so on Goodreads, I have a whole fucking scale for what my five stars mean. And I have not yet sat down and quantified what stars are for me here because a, a, a two-star book is a book I finished but hated. And that more or less qualifies here. Yeah. I only rank things with a one-star if it's a, it's a, if it's a do-not-finish for me. Right. Yeah, so a one-star for me would be I hated it, and it's totally not a movie I'm going to let my kid watch. Mm-hmm. I so hated like, this, but I don't feet. fucking care if my kids watch right. this. So, two is... Yeah. is I... I, I see I still feel guilty about giving Happy Feet a two. So I have to like like pity give it a three. I didn't think we rated it. No, we weren't rating them yet at that point in time. That had not yet hit the program. So but if we had, you'd have given it a two. I would have given it a zero. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. It was terrifying and I hope to God my kid never wants to watch it. Okay, fine. But I'd have probably given it a three out of, like, some deep-seated sense of pity. Because, like, it's not that bad, but it's not that good either. And I'm kind of in the same boat here. Like, it's not that bad, but it's not that good I don't know if I will ever hate another movie as much as I hate Happy Feet. Oh, well, it's a a pretty high bar, I have to say. And I don't hate this movie. Like that. So, 
I don't like it. I don't want to watch it. But I don't know. Maybe I don't hate it. No, it is. No, I, I, honestly, I think this it's is. It's got Steve free. Carell. It's got Steve Carell. It's fine. It's cute. It's fine. It just it doesn't make any sense. There's no redeeming story. Yeah. It's 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 bad as the redemption of a villain. Only because he Gru is not an actual villain. He was never a villain to begin with. If, if he was a better villain, then I might have been able to get behind this story. But in mm-hmm. fact, he's always mediocre. Yeah. And so, okay, like two and a half stars, maybe. All right, guys, I think that's going to be it for us this week. You can find us on Instagram or you can give us a call at 402-885-4875. We are Latchkey Movies Everywhere. And you can email us, latchkeymovies at gmail. And uh, tell your friends. We could really use you to tell your friends as many as possible. As yes. loudly as possible. Just let them just, all know. Just let them know that you have this crazy podcast that you listen to about kids because I'm sure but we're not the only ones who feel this I feel this like we're not possibly <laughs> be could not possibly be the only ones who care about these movies talk to you guys later bye, bye.